Now we're going to hand over to Valter, who's going to carry on with our series in Revelation. I love how Valter just loves to go after God. He's always just so keen to know more of the Father's heart. And it's really inspiring how he loves to read and just spend time with the Father. So let's hear what Valter has to say today. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. We're in our Revelation series. We've arrived at chapter eight and nine, and we're going to be looking at warning signs today. And I wonder what sort of person you are. When you're driving your car and you have a warning light come up, what do you do? Are you the person who kind of says, well, it's not beeping, it's not flashing, it's not red, I think we'll be okay. Or you're that person who kind of turns into the garage straight away. Well, this week we had a bit of a situation like that. Our front wheels started to make some weird sounds and some warning signals came up and Simona decided to go to the garage. When she got there, the guys tried to drive it onto the ramp and then the front wheel came off and they said, oh my days, you've been so lucky. If you'd been driving 70 miles an hour and that wheel had come off, it probably would have gone shooting down the, the road. It might have even killed someone. You would have had a massive car crash. If you had a car full of kids, we don't know what would have happened. We were so glad that someone listened to the warning signs and turned into the garage. Well, today we're going to be looking at warning signs in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Revelation. And kids, I wondered whether you could design me a bit of a warning system. Imagine you could invent a new car and you can uh, be making up the warning signals for it. Maybe a little light for when you haven't put your seatbelts on or when you run low on petrol or something like that. Come up with your own design. In the meantime, we pick it up. We've been looking at chapter 6 and chapter 7 last week at the symbols of seals. Now they are reassuring symbols for the saints who decide to follow Jesus and they are there to uh, mark the people of God and to keep them safe through trouble. But as we come to chapter eight and nine, we can see the seventh seal being opened. There's a pause, an anticlimax. It's like the picture is being rewound. Now this time we're gonna be looking at uh, the course of history, not the, from the angle point of the saints, but of those who don't follow Jesus. And instead of reassuring seals, we can see alarming trumpets. Now, trumpets back in the day were used as alarm systems, just a little bit like our civil defense uh, siren alarm system. And that gets tested every second Wednesday of uh, January and June. We always think, oh, what's that? Oh yeah, hang on, this is our alarm system. If you lived in a country torn by war, that would have been a familiar sound. And these trumpets were a familiar sound for people back in that day. They would understand. In chapter eight, we can read that when the seventh seal was opened, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And it says, I saw seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people and the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and held it onto the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. So we can see that the prayers of the saints from chapter 6 come up before God from the altar of incense. Now the altar of incense was placed in the temple just outside the holies of holies, and there was a separation with a thick curtain. This is where the presence of God dwelt, and this is where a priest once a year went in and offered much incense 
and there was a massive cloud that filled the space and together with the the, the, the blood of sacrifices, he would enter into the holies of holies to make atonement for the people's sin. And it's from this place and from this altar, the cries for injustice, that God responds with justice. He brings warnings upon the earth in the shape of trumpets. And we can read throughout the chapter that the trumpets are like plagues in the story of Exodus. Much of the language is similar. We can see hail and fire and the sea turning to blood and darkness that would have come upon the people of Egypt when they refused to let God's people go. Pharaoh refused and instead run himself into the ground in a battle with God. Now, the first four trumpets resemble damage to the environment, to the earth, to the sky, the land, the sea and the waters. And this represents that we live in a broken world. When we look around, we can see the world is not at peace. We can see tsunamis and hurricanes and the ferocity of the animal kingdom, earthquakes. The world is not at peace. And these are warning signs that not all is well. But we also have an enemy. We can read about him in chapter 9. Chapter 9 verse 1 says, The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth, and the star was given the keys to the shaft of the abyss. Now this talks about Satan who was cast out of heaven. And it says, When he opens the abyss, smoke arose from it like the smoke of a gigantic furnace, and he releases something that looks like demonic locusts that come against the people. Verse 4, we can read, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, what we can see is that Satan was a fallen angel. He had rebelled against God, and because he could not defeat God, he now went after the people of God. He came to find Adam and Eve in the garden. He whispered lies to them, deceived them. He said, you'll, you'll find freedom if you go against God, but really... What happened was death and brokenness came into their lives. Now, in the same way, when we go against the instructions of God, we will come up with warnings through suffering and pain. Now, this week, I had to undergo a bit of a, a painful lesson when I decided to ignore an instruction. I was making a cup of hot chocolate for my daughter and I used her favourite cup. It's a cup with metallic paint. Now, it said do not put in the microwave, but I'd kind of forgotten about that. And when it was in there, I thought mm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But I thought, well, still seems OK. I'll use it. And I grabbed the cup out of the microwave. At that moment, I heard and my, my, my finger just burned massively. You can see a big blister. And it just, I mean, very, very painful. And then I remembered, ah, oh, yeah, that's what happens when you don't follow the instructions. Well, if we don't follow the instructions of life, there we, we put ourselves outside of the protection of God. Those who don't follow God, who are not marked by the mark of the seals, put themselves under the, the influence of Satan. He will come against them to hurt them. Now, he promises freedom. Say, just go your own way. Do relationships my way instead of God's way. Uh, substances or the way that you handle money or those sort of things or forgiveness just like don't bother with that don't listen to God's instructions now it seems like that is a nice way to live and brings freedom but really what it does it brings destruction and that is a warning sign in our lives not a warning sign from an angry God who's trying to smite us because we are doing wrong no this is warning signs from God saying this is not the way to go you need to return these warnings are given so that we may turn towards God. 
When the Israelites wandered away from God out of his protection, we can see that enemies would come against them. Now, they would bring a sense of uh, correction and, and understanding that they wandered out of it, but it was done so that they would return to God. And the first readers could very much understand that. They were living under the pressures of the empire and they were tempted to conform to the people around them and to not bother with following God's advice. And these verses were written to warn them not to go down that road, to understand the destruction that would come against them if they did. Now, finally, the six trumpet sounds and we can see an invasion from the east coming through. And this invasion brings death and destruction. The signals are getting louder and louder. It's like you're sitting in the car and all the alarms are beeping. Kids, I don't know what sort of things are in your alarm system, but imagine all of them are blaring at the same time. This is what's happening. And this is the ultimate catastrophe that we be heading towards when we live life outside of God's goodness. And what is that ultimate catastrophe? Well, it's eternity without God. But we must understand this in the light of Scripture. Most people believe that we are living a linear life. And at the end of our days, um, if we do well, we might end up going to heaven. And if we don't do well, then we might end up going to hell. But that's not really the picture that the Bible creates. You see, God created heaven and earth together. They weren't separated. Um, but when sin happened and evil came into the world, they were separated. Because God is holy, he cannot dwell with sin and evil. Now, what happens at the end of day is that God will remove all sin and evil from this world. He will separate it into a place called hell. And hell is outside of the goodness of God. And there will be a sense of justice upon the people who haven't followed God. Judgment. Now, what happens is if we cling on to evil and sin, uh, God will honour our decision and will remove us from the new heaven and the new earth. Um, See, as Lewis calls it, that hell is the greatest human monument to freedom. If people choose to live outside of the goodness of God, the ultimate warning sign is destruction. That's what they were heading for. And that's why the warning signs are getting louder and louder and louder. God doesn't want that for his people. And that's why he has brought in salvation. Now, this is both bad news and good news for us. The good news is that we're heading towards an earth where there's going to be no pain, no evil, and a new heaven and a new earth together in God's presence. The bad news is um, we have all ignored warning signs at some point or another in our lives. I have, you have. So therefore, none of us can stand before God and claim to be part of this new world. Now, this is why Jesus came to the earth. And we have seen already in chapter eight that this is where salvation is already planted into the story. You can see the picture when uh, the prayers of the saints are being offered before God on the altar We can see that in this picture, there is no curtain. There is no curtain between the altar and the holies of holies, the presence of God, where in the Old Testament there was. Now, why is this? Well, we can read in Mark 15, verse 37, that when Jesus cried out his last breath on on um, on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. You see, Jesus is the ultimate high priest who came before God with the sacrifice, not of animals, but the sacrifice of his own perfect life to make atonement for the sins of God's people. And it's through Jesus that we may enter into God's presence. All the warning signs are there to help us to turn towards him. He is like the car mechanic 
who dismantles all our broken bits and then offers us new parts, a new life. He is the one who wants us to draw near and be rescued. And I want to plead with you today, if you haven't made that decision to let Jesus be that car mechanic uh, that will look at your car, to stop the wheels from coming off and make a good diagnosis in order for you to be saved. I want to encourage you to do that. Turn to Jesus. Let him save you. Listen to the warning signs around you and through this passage and turn to him. Now, if you do, then your sins are forgiven. You are made right with God. The curtain has been torn into. There's nothing that keeps you outside of the presence of God. So therefore, a lot of Christians know this in their heads, but they don't always live like that in their hearts. They still go around with a sense of condemnation when they've done something wrong. Well, this is a misunderstanding of what it's like to live with God and the process of repentance. When we repent and we turn towards God and we ask him for forgiveness and he comes into our lives, our sins are forgiven. Now, we ongoingly repent and turn to God so that we may be saved ongoingly. But that's not to to appease an angry God. That's to help us to live in the good that God has for us to stay close. Now, in verse Uh, chapter 9 verse 20 we can see that ultimately the people here the rest of mankind it says who were not killed by the plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands they did not stop worshiping demons and idols now what we can see here is the same thing that pharaoh did he did not want to listen but these verses were written to the people of god who were following jesus and were tempted to give up And this was written as an example so that they would repent, so they would have a soft heart. And this is where we can learn how to stay close to God. Although they didn't listen, the warning is there for us in order that we may listen. When the alarm bells come up, I mean, kids, I don't know what sort of alarm bells you've been putting in your system, but if they are all blaring at the same time, we need to learn how to listen quickly. When it comes up, don't wait. God doesn't want the wheels of our lives to come off. He wants us to turn in quickly to keep us safe. Now, I've learned how to listen to some alarm bells in my life. If I get grumpy, short with my kids, frustrated, or I avoid confrontation or kind of distract myself with other things, I know that I'm not heading in the right direction. And I need to learn how to listen to God. And God will put other things in your life, alarms and warnings. And I want to encourage you, become quick to listen to those. The other day, I was a bit grumpy, short with the kids, and I felt God tugging on my heart. At that moment, I've got a choice to make. I can defend myself. It's very easy to do that. Or I can be quick to listen. So I decided to be quick to listen, to ask forgiveness to my kids and try to do differently. And I want to encourage you, if God's pointing things out in your life, perhaps some broken parts, make sure that you listen to the little tugs of your heart. When we live like that, our hearts become soft. And God's laws will start to be written on our hearts. And repentance becomes joyful because it helps us to live in the good of the life that Jesus has for us. Now, finally, we are also called to be trumpets to others, to warn them. Now, it may seem like an unloving thing to tell other people that they're on the road to danger. um, But the reality is, if you're heading on the road to danger, what would be a more unloving thing to do? To not say anything and just let people head for danger? Or to warn people. Well, God wants us to be like Jesus, to be a warning and to remind them of God's love 
for them, that they're heading towards a road that has no life and that God does have life. And I want to encourage you, perhaps there might be some people in your life that God wants to reach and you be a warning to them. So first of all, have you listened to the warnings around you that God is bringing? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Make sure you do that today. Secondly, um, if God is tugging at your heart and calling you into repentance, something's in your life not right, make sure that you listen and draw close. Be quick to listen. And finally, be a warning to others. Show the love of God so that you may save them for an eternity with God. I want to encourage you to take some time to think about these things this week. Uh, as for now, I'm going to hand back as we continue to worship together. Thank you, Walter. That was really, really helpful. Yeah, we thank you, Father, that you are such a loving Father who gently wants to take us by the hand. And we, we pray over this coming week that you will help us to see where those warning signs come, why you, why you nudge us to, to repent of things and to go deeper with you so that we become more and more aware of who you are and who we are in you, Father. We pray over this coming week. Will you help us, Lord? We surrender to you, Father. We surrender to all that you've got for us. And we don't want to hold anything back. We surrender everything. Have it all, Lord. Have it all. And we pray for those fears and those anxieties that we have in our hearts. Lord, help us to, to fight them with, with knowing our identity and our security in who you are as a father to us. We pray this over us in Jesus' name. Amen.